Lock and Key by Karen Milstein for the Activist Practitioner, issue number four, Sanism, December 2020. Oh yeah, I've done all that shit, said the college guy on the bus behind me. Maybe he meant bungee jumping or diving into frozen lakes, something challenging for a young man in his late teens or early twenties. Fear is highly relative. No one can begin to measure the depth, height or size of fear within each of us as individuals. My bungee jumping has been a cross between fear and obsession, a tight tie between the two, a protective force, rituals seared into the body. I moved a finger slightly to the right to guard against feeling angry against someone. It worked, because I believed it. I watched the LED red light on the clock as it flickered from 10.47 to 10.48. Good luck, bad luck, good luck, bad luck. For so long, I controlled my feelings by moving them with my body. A little finger here, a foot there, my leg turned right. Intricate movements, an intricate system. Encapsulated my feelings, I had an entire system of feelings, movements, integrity wrapped up in rituals scorched into my ways. This was my way of finding peace, solace, my comfort zone, my safety. What more? My body possessed, touching every burner to know that the house would not burn down. Switched the coffee maker to know it was off, five times, off, five times, for sure. Fire. From where arose my fear of it? A fire from which I used to practice how I would escape as a child? A fire I never had to flee in the first place? A fire that haunted me all the same? Maybe it was a fire deep within. Anger. How did I push through the anger that started? God knew where and when. When I first stared up at a psych unit exit sign, red glow at the end of a dark hall, my first hospitalisation, I knew I had begun some long road far from ending. It was a stop sign, yet I had to find the strength to find my way forward. My parents' choice for my inability to choose which pyjamas to wear was to send me here, I couldn't decide between green, red, green, red, go forward, stop, go forward, stop. I threw them up in the air. I went down to the end of the hall as I had my whole childhood. This was the only way I knew to take care of myself, to find safety. If I had chosen the pyjamas myself, if I hadn't gone to their room, would it have all led to the same road, the same sign at the end of that dark psychiatric ward hallway? I remember my mother cradled me in her arms downstairs on the couch in the living room. I heard my father in his office, man in the office, mother in the living room cuddling the child, me. Father put his child in the psychiatric ward, me. Parents did what they thought was best. That's all they knew. I remember questions when I arrived. Name the last four presidents. Count backwards from 100 by sevens. Then, what has been going on in the past few weeks? That was the hardest question of all. The doctors tried to listen. My answers weren't good enough. I was made for the locked side of their ward. For their medications. 
not for anywhere where anyone wanted to listen much longer than 15 minutes. People were nice, don't get me wrong, just not up for deep listening, not up for doing much besides their job. The doctors were so normal, and I was so abnormal. So wrong, so bad, something bad had happened and now this told me so. The people who worked there more or less looked on, offering little help. They watched my terror. I was terrorised. That's what I was when I got there, in the darkness, seeing things I concocted out of terror, extreme terror. I yelled for people. I felt a desperate need to see, but who weren't there? In this place to heal. To heal from what? Locked inside to heal from a fear out there in here. Obsession is a nasty dance with trusting oneself. I returned to my apartment only for a simple task. A simple check. I am okay with it, this need to double-check. I am aware that the neighbours probably heard my footsteps in the apartment next door or downstairs from me or above. My heavy thuds. Who cares? I did. I cared about my reputation as weird. Oh well. I needed to know, know that the burners were off. For sure off not glowing blue. I think I even found one once burning blue, so now how am I supposed to trust? Someone was lost to me once, a most important person, so I must never let it happen again. I stand vigilant, so it never happens to me again. How do I trust that I won't lose others, lose myself most of all? Rust runs deep, even in the most mundane things, the stovetop, a coffee maker, a lock. I checked these things two, three times, the burners, the off-on button, a key turning a bolt. They were much greater than mere buttons, burners, bolts. They could burn down the house, burn down my soul. They could burn down forever, unlock my faith when I checked them. How could I allow myself not to check? All I had to envision was the house, not even my apartment, but the whole house I lived in, burning down, being robbed, and it was my fault the whole apartment burglarised. Burning down, because I forgot to test the lock, check those damn burners, I forgot to make certain. I run my fingers so carefully along each burner, check the lock. If there was a pan on the burner, a frying pan, a saucepan, the tea kettle that covered the burner... My fingers would run under them to feel if there was heat, fire, a burning sensation. I jiggled the door, tightly, tightly, lock and key, pulled. I felt the burner twice, three times. I stared at the coffee maker, the light was out, out, for sure, I was good. For a moment, anyway. So sure, for sure, the house wouldn't burn down. Even in the pit of my stomach, I wasn't sure, though. Maybe I'd still do something that would still make something bad happen. But for the briefest moment, everything checked out. Just trust, okay? Small leap of faith? Tiny? I walked out the door. I forgot all the checking in an instant. All the anxiety and the rumination were gone. But they lay heavy within. Burdens that never seemed to get better. Some days I felt the burners once, some days three times. Hard to get by without at least one look, without pulling the door fast behind me, checking that the lock was turned fast by the key. Check. 
but there was a use to checking, to questioning my trust, my faith. It was worth double-checking every once in a while. I was checking something within myself. I dropped off the pamphlets today from my organisation, the peer-run recovery centre, for people with mental health struggles. Yes, I work there now, years down the road in my recovery since I was locked in this same psychiatric unit, not sick on the ward today. I watched as the nurse closed the door behind me on my way out, lock and key. Damn, I knew that nurse got a modicum, if not more, of joy and power in locking the door to the entrance of her unit, her psychiatric unit. Her brain, she believes, somehow healthier, saner, yes, better than the people she locks in. She doesn't know that one day, many years ago, I was locked in her seclusion room instead of out. I was seen as sick somehow, somehow unhealthy. Really, I was always just struggling deeply. They say it's like diabetes, heart disease, all those other physical ailments. No, it is not. My brain was different. Not ill, nothing wrong. It was just how society determines which ones fit, which ones don't. Society holds the lock and key. Don't you and that nurse understand my anger, my separation, my fury for being and having been cut off under lock and key for simply how my mind worked? The whole system gets under my skin. Being told all these years there's something wrong with me. That's half of what makes me crazy, angry, mad and dangerous. Dangerous? I'm just scared of you, the nurses, the society who lock me up. Can I imagine never having been separated from the world? No. When I've been sane and thought back on my life, I see the people who are struggling looking like ghosts, and I know others struggle as greatly as I have with their being. Inside that locked door, inside their own minds, they are sent to a place where they must entirely question their person, their existence, their body. This world they go inside out to this place that isn't. Us walking ghosts. Us walking isn't. Us walking knots. Some people succumb to their conditions and they are left on the streets, in the alleys, in the group homes, in the hospitals, over and over, locked into their minds. No hope, no motivation, no will to go further. They have failed too many times before or others have told them so. That's what I see. The humans inside out. To not have gone there, what might that have been? something else. If I hadn't gotten locked up, I might have been a college professor, a dead alcoholic, or both, or neither. I don't understand walking down the empty hall in the middle of the night, going nowhere. I don't understand suddenly not safe, not taken care of, or the exact opposite, suddenly too taken care of, locked down, pinned, strapped, constrained, rooms covered with tiny perforations on all sides, told what to do, forever belittled and for so long not under my own control. In both these instances the world is taken away from you. One, you are lost. 
Gulliver pinned down by so many tight Lilliputian ropes. The other, the world is lost from you. Inside a room of so many dizzying tiny holes, both exceedingly frightening, both panicky. Straps, they held me down. I don't quite remember getting there. Shuffled through a door, separated from my parents, almost forever lost from them. How could I not have some resentment? Pushed on a table, one, two, three, four, all my limbs locked in place. I could no longer thrash if that was the point. They had me, if that was their point. What was their point? They won. How long I was kept there, I didn't remember. Hours, it seemed. Again, I was mentally ill in their books. Something wrong. Seared into my wrists and ankles, if not my mind. Seclusion. My first hospitalisation in Madison, 1989. For a couple of days without the permission to go out of one tiny room. You would think I'd like broad spaces, wouldn't you? That I'd want to run free. Go where I wanted to go, no one telling me where to go. My dream as a child. When I do that, I remember the straps, the seclusion room riddled with hundreds of tiny cavities. There's a line, an invisible line, beyond which I've withstood terror. No one can see me cross that line. Beyond that line, I was separated from all the world as if the magic tether around my neck or wrist was cut free and I didn't know what to do, how to take care of myself, where to go, who was watching me but myself. The world was suddenly lighter, made invisible, had no weight. I could cut trees in half, houses are made of thin air, cars divisible by hand. The world was too fragile, far too wobbly for my comfort, my knees buckled. Once exiting the hospital, after days or weeks or months, I take my first weak breath. I can venture barely a block. I reach for a wall, a bench. The air is thin, as if a respirator is necessary. Alone, away from the hospital in the broad expanse, I panic and there is no rescue. I take baby steps now. Both the places I had seen long before I entered the pink and grey walls, and also new grounds all so overwhelming. Forever opening up places that felt frightening but enticing. I've had courage to walk into places of the mind. Places where I've done all that shit. I went to the hospital. Locked me up, strapped me down, secluded, isolated. They said there I would be safe, they believed. They didn't know no one can turn off your mind. Maybe for a month, maybe three, maybe a psychiatrist can balance my meds for a time. I jump, I dive, I turn the lock and key. Finally, I open the door and step out the other side. You are listening to Lock and Key by Karen Milstein. For the activist practitioner, issue number four, Sanism, December 2020. The next episode will be Gaslighting, Getting Out of Your Head by Jennifer Fair. If you are appreciating listening to this podcast, the magazine is free, of course, and always will be. But if you feel like contributing to support our endeavours and to help us keep going, you can PayPal $5. The email address for PayPal is activist dot practitioner at gmail.com a c t i v 
I-S-T-P-R-A-C-T-I-T-I-O-N-E-R at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, The Activist Practitioner. Leave a comment. I would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts. I'm Ruth Nelson, and the music and sound production are by Timothy Hay. Hey.